following program is a peer-to-peer -peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. Hello listeners on Saga 960 AM and those listening around the world on streaming and podcast services. This is It's Not Therapy. I'm Leanna Kersner and I am not a therapist. But I am your source for practical advice for everyday problems using my top 10 sayings for checking in with your best self. Tonight, we're talking men's mental health. For the interview tonight, I'll be joined by the utterly fantastic Dale Kurd, who runs the online therapist lookup themenslist.com. But first, we're going to get right to a question from a viewer of my YouTube content. I do a weekly segment on my YouTube channel called Manly Mondays in which I talk about men's issues with a lot more swearing than they allow on the radio. Now, you may ask, what's someone who is not a man doing talking about men's issues? Well, the stereotypes about men and the truth of men's experiences aren't the same. We talk a lot about male role models for men, but we ignore the impacts that everyone else in a man's life has. The women in a man's life have impacts. We can enforce gendered stereotypes, or we can support a guy in being himself even when he doesn't line up with so-called traditional masculinity. It's the most confusing time in history to be a man. All the messages are mixed. Articles about toxic masculinity appear on social media right above thirsty posts by women about Jason Momoa's Aquaman and Chris Helmsworth's Thor. Two characters who are heavily muscled, long-haired, and they're both kind of buttheads and I admit I don't get it. This all sends a message to a lot of men that women want this strange paradoxical ideal of simp Cal Drogo. And a lot of people don't know what the words I just said mean. And that's okay. In a perfect world, you wouldn't have to know what simp Cal Drogo means. In our world, too many people think that you need to be perfect to have anyone like you when what you really need is to be present for other people. We live in an age where access to information about people is at an all-time high, but the ability to meet people in a meaningful way is low. Our encounters are controlled by algorithms, social gatekeeping, and massive doses of fear. People don't talk to people enough in meaningful ways because everyone is terrified of being canceled. Our post-MeToo age is uniquely challenging for men who don't know how to navigate the sudden shifts in culture. It's one thing to say that if you're not one of the bad guys, you don't have anything to worry about. But everyone knows someone who's had their life destroyed by a false accusation. And this is where my gut reaction says a false accusation is nothing compared to having your life destroyed by a sexual assault. And that's when I logically understand that we should be able to create a society where neither thing is okay. These false binaries have hit a crescendo in our society and it's causing a lot of people to withdraw, to decide that it's just not worth it. A lot of people go through life miserable and unfulfilled because they think there's no alternative. Most days, to me, it just feels like everyone needs more hugs without having to worry about what the hugs mean. 
And that brings me to the first question of the episode. If you want to ask a question about anything at all that you want me to use on a future show, leave me a message at 289-275-9600 or send me an email at Leanna, L-I-A-N as in Nancy, A at nottherapyshow.com or send me a tweet, an Insta on Twitter or Instagram at nottherapyshow, at nottherapyshow. So our question is from Michael responding to a YouTube video I made. Hello, in a recent episode of Manly Monday's YouTube video, you talked about a brief history of masculinity and how masculinity has changed. As a man, I have dealt with the false stoicism, as you said, in how Western governments manufactured this masculinity after the Second World War. I've struggled with this masculine ideal, and I've learned and came to realize that masculinity is not a monolith, that masculinity can be self-defined in a view of oneself. I would like to ask you if you could explore and expand on what you discuss in that Manly Mondays video about how men struggle with forming a masculine identity while competing with the mainstream version of masculinity that's depicted in media in an episode of It's Not Therapy. Here we go, Michael. First off, thanks to superhero media, which y'all know I love, there's more than one mainstream version of desirable masculinity to pick from these days, and that's great. It's a question of making sure you're really taking in all that's out there and not comparing yourself to the stuff that you aren't instead of the stuff that you are. Top 10 saying, listen twice before you talk once. I say that for a reason. It's real easy to get stuck on the Momoas and the Hemsworths of the world. But guys like Tom Holland, Spider-Man, man, they have their fan followings as well. And I can hear many of you rejecting this message right now, but give it a chance. BTS is one of the biggest bands in the world right now, if not the biggest band in the world right now. And while those dudes work their butt off and they're really good at what they're, they do, there are hardly traditional beefcakes. And yes, I'm already defining masculinity through the opinions of women, which is technically wrong, but... This is a show about practical solutions. Let's face it, for a lot of straight guys, that's what it's about. And this is where we get into the Golden and Silver Age comic creators that I love. Those Golden and Silver Age comic book creators deeply understood how important the love of a great gal was for a heterosexual guy's sense of self. We see it with Clark Kent and Lois Lane. We see it with Peter Parker and Mary Jane. The modern era of comics replicates that with same-sex relationships like Wiccan and Hulkling. And based on the characters the Marvel Cinematic Universe is introducing right now, this might be relevant to people's interests soon. But let's be real. One of the big reasons anyone gives a damn about masculinity and femininity is that we believe it will help us find a partner. But then we want someone who loves us for us. And most of us, we don't measure up to the gendered ideals. At least I know I don't. I'm way more like Wolverine than Jean Grey. I'm mouthy, abrasive. I'm usually the first guy into a fight and the first guy knocked down in a fight. And if I were a guy, I could probably make that work for me. Tough, aggressive, and tortured in a male archetype becomes annoying, irritating, obnoxious, pushy, bossy, and the dreaded B word that rhymes with itchy when a woman does it. 
And men get caught up in the same double standard. Men hear that they're supposed to express their feelings, but sensitivity and being emotionally present can get turned around into beta male, white knight, simp, cuck. And of course, any expression of kindness, especially towards a woman, is rewarded with, dude, she's not going to sleep with you. As if that's all it's about, right? In our current world, where identity sometimes seems to be everything, it feels impossible to both develop a gendered identity that initially attracts people, not just romantic partners, but employers, investors. Let's face it, this stuff matters. And then we've got an individual identity, which allows us to have people around us who like us for us. And that's where role models become very important. Okay, you might not be able to emulate Henry Cavill's Superman or Henry Cavill's Witcher or any character played by Henry Cavill. But Egon Spengler was the guy Janine was hardcore crushing on. I liked Egon too, for the record. Winston was my second favorite Ghostbuster, if anyone cares. Egon, Winston, yeah, those guys were awesome. And this is where we come to the challenging reality of gender constructs. Deep down, we all risk being shallow about them. Why does the average guy feel like he's competing with freaking Thor? Well, because either he thinks all women want Thor, despite the abundance of Loki fangirls out there, or because said guy wants the sort of woman who wants Thor. And if that's where you're coming from, people will notice. Most people don't look like superheroes. So that fixation on appearance as opposed to character is going to come off as shallow. There's more to Thor than muscles. No, really, there's more to Thor than muscles. <laughs> He's funny. He's a combination of confident and humble. He has a positive attitude. And he had the opportunity to be king of freaking Asgard and he turned it down. In general... He became worthy of his hammer Mjolnir by learning to not be a massive jerk. He's got a nobility about him. And this is when I usually hear, but regular guys get called creepy for the exact same attention paid to women that women like from a guy who looks like Thor. I hear this a lot, and I admit I'm not really sure where that thought comes from. Because... A guy who's comparing himself to a guy like Chris Hemsworth is not going to present the same way as any guy who's any sort of celebrity because they lack confidence. And that's the missing piece. Confidence is appealing. And don't just take my word for it. I actually checked with a friend who's into guys like Movie Thor because I'm... So not. I'm not into shirtless Jason Momoa. I'm not into shirtless Thor. I actually avert my eyes. I don't get it. I'm a Plastic Man fan. Okay. So I asked more of an expert. And she said about Thor. He's strong so he can protect me. But he's sweet so he probably won't hurt me. He can back up the strength with confidence so he's not posturing. And now we're back to forming 
the very masculine identity that gives guys confidence. I know we've come full circle, right? Not helpful so far. Well, maybe a little bit helpful, but stay with me. The truth about confidence is that no one is completely confident about everything. A lot of us use the legitimate confidence we do have to fake the rest of it. I'm an introvert, a profound introvert, who decided to be a professional communicator. Feel my pain. <laughs> We're all hyper attuned to negative comments. All of us. I don't care what anybody says. If anybody says they don't focus on the negatives more than the positives, I, I, I would have to see empirical evidence of that. Because the negatives are the things that we fear. So anything that we see as desirable that we can't embody, these things completely freak us out. And in the process of freaking out over the things that we can't embody, we ignore the things we can embody. The entire idea of Spider-Man that Stanley created was that he was your friendly neighborhood hero, not some muscle-bound meathead. You can find role models like Spider-Man. You can find characters like Moon Knight, Shazam, or Grant Gustin's version of The Flash. And I say Grant Gustin's version of The Flash because I'm not going there with Ezra Miller. Let's not talk about Ezra Miller right now. A lot of you are probably waiting for me to say the top 10 phrase, be the hero of your own story, not anyone else's here. There you go. Be the hero of your own story, not anyone else's. If you spend all your time feeling bad about unattainable role models, you'll never develop your own strengths. Stop being so fixated on the six packs and focus on everything else. Those insecurities you have leach out if you give them power. And that leeching out of the insecurities gives other people a false sense of what you're really looking for in friends and partners. If you want people to see the good in you, focus on the good in yourself. It's easy to say don't compete with traditional ideals of masculinity, right? But we're all stuck doing it. All of us, because the corporate world is so geared towards those, you know, traditionally masculine ideals. I don't think it's right, but I'm willing to say this is the reality. I'm not going to ignore reality. Ignoring negatives isn't being positive. Top 10 phrase, right? What I will say is about traditional ideals of masculinity, make it your own. There's a lot to pick from, right? Find your super soldier serum. Pick up the qualities you can embody and try not to sweat the stuff you can't. Try to remember that Lois Lane married Clark Kent just as much, if not more, as she married Superman. And Bruce Wayne does as much good through his charities, if not more good, than Batman does punching criminals in the face. Superman and Batman aren't the guys that are around for everyday life. They're the guys who are off saving the world. Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne are the guys who are actually there for the everyday stuff. And Clark Kent is way better at that than Bruce Wayne is. Comic book wisdom. Okay, thanks, Michael, so much 
for that question or at least the prompt to talk about something. If you want to ask a question or if you want me to talk about a particular topic, you can leave me a voicemail message at 289-275-9600. That's 289-275-9600. Or you can email me. Email seems to be the most popular way, I guess, because it's private. Liana, L-I-A-N-A, at nottherapyshow.com. Or at Not Therapy Show on Twitter and Instagram. When we come back, the interview with Dale Kurd about men's mental health. Stay tuned. You are not going to want to miss this. It's great. I love Dale. We'll be back after this quick break on It's Not Therapy. The following program is a peer-to-peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. It's time once again for the It's Not Therapy interview. And oh, guys, we have a great guest this show. I'm here with an old colleague of mine from previous talk radio days, Dale Kurd. Dale is a certified executive leadership coach, author, speaker, mental health advocate. He does a bunch of websites with his wife, dalekurd.com, themenslist.com, thechildtherapylist.com, thewomenslist.com. If you want to get these websites, check out my Twitter feed. But Dale is here to talk to us today about men's mental health. Dale, thank you for joining us today. What to start us off, what are the issues specific to men's mental health in particular? Well, it's great to be with you, Leanne. It's been a long time, hey, since the live live phone-in shows. Yeah. Um, but that's where we, where we kind of cut our teeth, hey? Yeah. Uh, I think the top... You know, when it comes to men's mental health, um, I think there, we we got to start off with a with a maybe set the foundation a bit. About ten to fifteen percent of the general population, when it's in Western Europe, North America, have a diagnosable or a diagnosed mental health disorder. So that's about ten to fifteen percent, which means that about eighty-five to ninety percent of us who go through life, you know, go to our GPs because we're having issues with anxiety or depression or relationship issues or um, difficulty regulating feelings or even understanding feelings. Most of that, the bulk of us are really dealing with what, what we would call conditioning issues. So how we were brought up and it's not to blame parents because parents do the best they can with what they have. But it means that most of what we're facing, most of what we know about ourselves, most of what we're experiencing is the result of conditioning. And I really wish that a lot of guys would understand that, that uh, I, I, when I, in my practice, when I'm working with a client, I say, there are three things we're going to look at. We're going to look at your self-awareness. How much do you actually know about who you are? beyond the surface, beyond your personality, like what really makes you tick, what makes you, what makes you think the way you think and what makes you feel the way you feel. That self-awareness is super key because once you have self-awareness, then you can move into self-management or self-regulation, which is super important because that's, it's a life skill to be able to regulate ourselves, right? Regulates our, our thoughts, regulate our feelings. And then there's self-improvement. So what are the things that I really like that I want to build and improve? And what are the things that really aren't working for me in life that I know I need to change? 
So that self-awareness, self-management, self-regulation, and then self-improvement, that's what most guys really need to understand. It's a, it's a way of looking at mental health that is peeling back the sort of automatic ways that we react to circumstances and situations and people and getting underneath that to really understand why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and men are getting a lot of competing messages now. I mean, the whole concept of toxic masculinity and mm-hmm. how, how that's intended versus how that's received by someone, especially younger men hearing masculinity is toxic instead of certain behaviors. And mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with you. It's funny that we've ended up in the same place because you know, masculinity is, is sort of that cross-section of identity and, and behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas conditioning, the term you use is so much more productive, that conditioning self-regulation cycle that, you know, is, is a real issue from about 15 years old in, in young men to, you know, almost 30. Um, and uh, what what are some short things, baseline things that people can do? Because we see all this stuff about young men and violence and young men and aggression, and it's not solving the problem. It's just demonizing people and pushing young men and, and older men who are, are struggling with those learned behaviors back into the shadows, back into silence. It's discouraging them from getting help. So mm-hmm. what are some first steps people can take in this regard for them or a loved one? you know, there are so many first steps, right? Like yeah. the, a lot of the guys that I deal with and work with will come to me because they've been referred by somebody else. Um, and they'll say to me, you know, the first thing they'll say is, well, there's not a lot of resources out there, or you're the only guy that I know mm-hmm. that works with, with men. And they're quite surprised when I say to them, well, you know, there's a, an abundance of resources out there for men. I, I, I can't think of it, t- to be honest, of a specific mental health topic that does not have a special interest or nonprofit group that represent it in terms of men. So it's just not labeled men's services, right? Well, some of them are, that's what I'm saying. There's an, there's actually an abundance of them. There's an abundance of them in, in the United States. There's an abundance of them in the UK, Germany, uh, Canada. Yeah. We kind of fall short on this in in some regards, but, but the resources are there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to be honest, I think the the first step that that a guy has to come to terms with, I believe is that, he has to recognize that when, sorry, he has to recognize when certain aspects of his life are simply not working. So whether that be a relationship, like a romantic relationship, whether that be a familial relationship, Mm -hmm. whether that be a work relationship, um, even a self-awareness, like, uh, uh, you know, if you're a guy that's driving up, uh, driving every single day, and you notice that driving causes you an enormous amount of stress and anxiety and you're reacting with fear and anger Mm -hmm. well then that's an issue like an issue in the sense of that's something you need to start to address because that's not what you're designed to go through life doing all the time none of us are right but i just but there's that misconception that you got to be tough and just push through well yeah i Mm -hmm. think i think to a certain extent i think i think we, we we underestimate as human beings how hardwired we are to live in fear or to have a have 
have fear all around us. Like we have to understand we're not, we're not great predators, biologically <laughs> speaking. We never were. We were just, we just had great stamina and we had a, an ability to make tools. We were never great predators. We were mm -hmm. always on the food chain. Mm -hmm. And so from a physiological perspective, we're hardwired to be afraid. Mm -hmm. And, and that fear is, is about helping us survive in terms of imminent physical danger. Mm -hmm. But now 75, 50,000 50, years later, we're not necessarily on the food chain anymore, mm -hmm. most of us, but that wiring system is still there. And when you get thoughts that scare you, and you will, because your brain will give them to you, mm -hmm. or when circumstances or situations present themselves and you're reacting in fear or how you cope with fear, if you're not aware of any of that, right, mm -hmm. then that's where you get into difficulty. That's where guys find themselves in, in, a, in a lot of um, hot water, so to speak. I mean, I'm being quite general, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. that's what I see. I see a lot of, when you say they, they tough, they're told to tough it through, we don't have great messaging for boys mm -hmm. and men when it comes to fear. How mm -hmm. do you live? How do, how do you actually handle fear? What's the, what's the best way to handle fear, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have great messaging for men and boys around emotional self-regulation. Mm -hmm. We all have feelings. How many boys can actually name all of those feelings by the time they're 12 or 13 years of age? How many of them have functional coping mechanisms or strategies for dealing or mm -hmm. managing those feelings, right? And by the time you get and, and by the time you get higher up in age into the 20s and 30s, you're you've got a pretty limited skill set or mm -hmm. just tool set for dealing with feelings mm -hmm. if they can even recognize. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of guys that struggle just to recognize mm -hmm. what they feel, right? Mm -hmm. So I think first steps, to come back to your question, I think first steps, it really starts with where are the pain points in my life, right? Is it, where am I feeling the most or the deepest pain mm -hmm. in my life? That's always the first place to start. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If, if they can acknowledge they're in pain in the first place. Yeah, but yeah. typically you're right. hundred percent. If they can be honest with themselves, if mm -hmm. they can acknowledge, if they can see it, they can acknowledge it. But let, let's, you know, if, you, if we were just to switch uh, out of the general population mm -hmm. and go into say, uh, if we were to go into sports, mm -hmm. athletes, uh, and we know that some athletes struggle in their personal lives for sure mm -hmm. on a performance spectrum, They are, they are conditioned to examine every yep. aspect of their performance yep. for micro adjustments physically, for, for massive adjustments mentally. Like yeah. everything is about optimizing performance. Well, why can't we borrow from that in the general population? Why can't men borrow from that and go, hey, you know what? You know, Novak Djokovic spends as much time training his mental game as he does his physical game. I wonder what that would be like for me inside my work. I wonder what that would be like for me inside my relationship. Maybe there's more that I can learn. Maybe there's some parts of myself that I'm really not aware of, mm -hmm. but they're having an impact in my relationship. What if I just took the blinders off and then they're not intentional blinders, but what if I just took them and just opened up my scope of how I know myself? Mm -hmm. I, I use the exact same metaphor with rest that they think you got to hustle all the time, but peak athletes know you can overtrain. 
So if you're go, 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 going, no wonder you have no emotional regulation. You know, you're not sleeping. Your diet sucks. You're worn out. You're burned out. A, a, A manager, a team doctor would never allow an elite athlete to do that because it's going to cost the team money and wins. Right. Exactly. And performance. Yeah. Performance is performance is going to start to, there's going to be a a point of uh, in that sort of law of diminishing returns. There's going to come a point where you, if you keep taxing that athlete physically, or they tax themselves that, that, that you're going to get a diminishing output. Yep. Well, but that's true for us as well. Those of us that aren't professional athletes in our day-to-day lives, that's also true. Yeah. Everybody's trying to play hurt. A pro athlete won't play hurt. Right. Because you just get more hurt. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm going to continue my chat about men's mental health with Dale Curd after this quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about loneliness on It's Not Therapy. The following program is a peer-to-peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. We're back on It's Not Therapy, and I am still talking to the absolutely wonderful Dale Kurt about men's mental health. Dale is a certified executive leadership coach, and he runs themenslist.com with his wife. Themenslist.com is a therapist lookup for men's mental health issues related to men's mental health. And we're going to talk about loneliness now. There's a lot of, I find this much more with my, my male clients than my female clients, the real lack of a, of a support system of a, of a social group. Loneliness is a serious issue. And it is, it goes back to that fear thing you were talking about. They're afraid of failing. So they wall themselves off. They're afraid of being really angry like their father. So they wall themselves off and they have these real, um, serious issues related to loneliness. We talk about the loneliness epidemic, you Mm -hmm. know, in broad strokes, you see articles about it, but it doesn't get into why men are so lonely, why men have fewer friendships, why men tend to, you know, isolate and not speak and not open up and not connect to people in ways that we see women, and these are, of course, gross generalizations doing, um, what is, if if there is anything, I don't want to ask a leading question, but what is that connection between loneliness and fear, if anything? And again, if a guy's feeling lonely, what's the first step? That's a great question. So I I think the, the thing to understand is that the way that we learn as human beings is by association. Mm-hmm. So I know it feels like people are afraid of failure or men are afraid of failure, but actually what they're afraid of, or more importantly, what their brain is afraid of is what's been associated with failing. Good point. Good point. So yeah. whether that was a negative conditioned image, uh, uh, sorry, a negative conditioned message, or whether that was a painful experience like humiliation or embarrassment or whether that was loneliness or rejection or abandonment, that's what their brain is actually afraid of. They're afraid of what was associated mm. with, with failing or making a mistake. 
that's the first thing that I think that, that guys who are really wrestling with loneliness need to sort of grasp that their brain is their, their brain, more importantly, the emotional parts of their brain, the emotional regulation system inside their brain is trying to keep them safe from taking risks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because, because risk has had a negative association yes. and the brain can't discern, right? The brain, the, the brain cannot distinguish that me going out today and meeting somebody new is mm-hmm. going to be different from me going out 15 years ago and meeting somebody new and that being a painful experience. Mm-hmm. The brain is going to try to protect us and it's mm-hmm. going to say, taking risk, you took a risk 15 years ago that didn't work out. It was really humiliating. Don't do that again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so guys who are struggling with loneliness essentially are, are, are trying to, whether that be, whether it's because they don't feel they're enough, like they have this mm-hmm. sort of core understanding that they're not enough, whatever that, a core belief, or whether they feel that being around people is kind of unsafe mm-hmm. for them, mm-hmm. right? Or being around people means that they get left out. That's what their brain is really trying to protect them from, mm-hmm. re-experiencing whatever that core wound is, if you will. So guys who are struggling with loneliness are afraid. That's Mm -hmm. the relationship. Their brain is in fear and it's trying to prevent them from taking any more risks, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Because it doesn't want to essentially re-wound itself, Yeah, but it's not really good at, it's not really good at distinguishing present from past. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so guys who are feeling lonely, the first thing I think to really understand for, for, for guys is that as crazy as this sounds, you're not alone. Yeah. Like you're not alone feeling lonely. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the, some of the most um, socially connected, outgoing, extroverted men that I've met walk around with a paralyzing mm-hmm. sense of loneliness or rather aloneness. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's the it's being an extrovert. It's being outgoing that becomes a coping mechanism for them. You wouldn't know that when you're shaking their hand or you're seeing them on a stage or you're hearing them in a crowd, you know, maybe owning and being the center of the party. But those guys are some of those guys, not all, but some of those guys on the inside have a, <clears throat> a real paralyzing sense of being alone yeah. right? that nobody can relate to them. Yeah. So the first thing to understand is that you're not alone feeling lonely. Right. Yeah. And, and, and now we can all there, there, whether it's, this is where Facebook, I think, you know, in a way shines, there are lots of different men's forums that mm-hmm. talk about loneliness and aloneness for men on Facebook, social groups all over the place mm-hmm. across all kinds of geographic borders. There are organizations that talk about this, that, that offer support, that offer resources. All you have to do is go in your mind, Okay. Except I'm lonely. I'm alone. Now what, what do I want to do about that? Where do, where do I want to go with this? What Mm -hmm. do I want for my life? Do I want my life to be this small? Like and constrained, Mm -hmm. it might feel safe, but it's kind of a tight box to be in. Right. Right. Yeah. There's this vicarious trauma though, that I'm finding now with cancel culture, you know, it's not even a bad experience. I've, you know, some clients, it's not even a bad experience they had. It's a it's the the news, the headlines, these guys, you know, making a tiny little mistake and their life coming down around them. And, you know, I've had I've had 
clients where they're like, well, what if I go and talk to a girl and she thinks I'm a creep? She's like, you go away. And I said, I will be so proud of you for trying. You know, you can't control her reaction or, or his reaction, but you took the step and nobody gets it perfect the first time and their eyes widen. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it's, well, what if I get canceled? What if she goes and tells people I did something? These are, these are exceptions. It's not that they don't happen, but these are exceptions to the vast majority of interactions that aren't being seen because they're not covered by sensationalized news. Right. Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. the fear response is that strong, how, how do you handle that? Cause that, you know, when you talk about not being alone, I am stunned at how many times I hear that, especially among young introverted men where everything from their age group to their hobbies have been demonized as something predatory and dangerous. And that's not, like you said, we are lousy predators as human mm -hmm. beings. That's what men are supposed to be. That's not what they are. And they're caught in that vice. Mm. If I understand you, yeah. it, it, it sounds, it sounds like what you're saying is that there's this, there's this huge risk for guys today Yeah, that if they go, if they, if they take steps out, especially if they step into, uh, into the relationship realm mm -hmm. and, and dating realm, that there's this real risk that socially there's going to be a strong sense of a, a strong act of rejection, hence right. the cancel. Right. Right. Is that what I'm hearing you say? And yeah, then what yeah, are we yeah. supposed to do about that? Yeah, I don't even think it's that conscious. Like you're breaking it down into its component parts. A 19, 20 year old guy isn't doing that, right? His, his brain hasn't hit that point. It's mm -hmm. just, it's just those, mm -hmm. those fear flares, those danger warnings, right? That stuff that was designed to stop us from getting eaten by a saber tooth tiger back in the day, <laughs> right? It's, it's true. It's, it's visceral. It's lizard brain. So I'm going to say something as an older man mm -hmm. that, uh, that I know as a younger man, I would not have been able to appreciate, but that doesn't mean that it's not wise advice. And that is what other people think about me becomes far less important than what I think about myself. And that's something that I think I was told in my twenties. Mm-hmm. I don't think I grasped it because in my twenties and certainly in my teens, social cohesion, social um, networking, uh, dating, friendship groups, that was survival to yeah. my brain, yeah. to my brain, that was yeah. survival. And the, and the concept of, which seemed like a, an esoteric concept of, it doesn't matter what those people think about you. You're the one that has to look in the mirror and go, do I like who I am? Right. That never landed on me when I was younger. And, but it did, all I can say is it does. At one point in your life, you realize that what you think about yourself and what you know about yourself and whether you like yourself, that's really what self-esteem is, right? It's what do you mm -hmm. like who you are? Mm -hmm. That becomes way more important in terms of contentment in life than what anybody else can think about you. So yeah, you know what? Go take the risks. Go take the risks. Put yourself out there. And yeah, you may face rejection. You may be humiliated. 
but that's not going to sting as much as you trying to twist yourself psychologically into some form that is going to be accepted by other people. Because that's, those are knots that are much harder to untangle later in life, all that twisting. And I wish I'd, I'd really grasped that when I was younger. I, I, I'm with you there too, Dale. People are probably, if they just tune in, they're like, who's this dude? And why is he so smart? Dale Curd, everybody, certified executive leadership coach, author, speaker, mental health advocate. Uh, you can check him out at dalecurd.com. Uh, or the list that he started with his wife, Kim, themenslist.com, thechildtherapylist.com, thewomenslist.com. If you are looking for resources or articles or places to get started, these resources are great. I've checked them out. I went down the rabbit hole of the men's list for about three hours the other day. So uh, Dale, thank you so much. And are you on social media at all? Or is your website the best place to check you out? Uh, no, I'm definitely on social media. I, um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Um, uh, definitely, I have a Facebook page as well, but mostly on Instagram. That's, that's where I am most of the time. Um, and uh, look, I, like, I, I really welcome hearing from people. Just at Dale Curd? Yeah. All righty. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk more about naming your feelings. That thing Dale brought up that some men struggle with. So stay tuned through this quick break. I am not a therapist and it's not therapy. The following program is a peer-to-peer -peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. We're in the closing minutes of this episode of It's Not Therapy, and we're gonna loop back around to something Dale Curd touched on during the interview, emotional vocabulary. We tend to think that the stereotypical male cluelessness when it comes to emotions is natural, here are the air quotes, linked to body science, testosterone levels. Sure, there's some of that, but adult humans are a combination of nature and nurture. And as Dale pointed out, we don't nurture the emotional vocabularies of boys. If you can't describe it, how do you process it? A study in 2014 found that conversations mothers have with their daughters tend to contain more emotional words and content than the conversations that mothers have with their sons. Other studies indicate that girls are expected to display greater levels of most emotions than boys. And there's a particular expectation regarding the more agreeable emotions like joy or compassion. This double standard messes everyone up in different ways. A huge pet peeve of mine is when people say, I feel before an expression that's actually a thought. For example, I feel you are wrong. You hear that all the time, right? That's a sign of how warped our culture is regarding feelings. You are wrong is not a feeling. I felt hurt or angry or sad when you accused me of that thing is a feeling statement. Thoughts and feelings are very, very different things. I can't believe I have to say this, but it's a common misconception. Yes, feelings can be in response to the stories we tell ourselves, the meaning we assign to a given circumstance, but sometimes we just feel stuff 
And feelings happen in our brains much faster than thoughts do. Now, many of us have been taught that expressing feelings leads to bad stuff, right? It opens us up to withering criticisms. It opens us up to negative judgments. We haven't had the experience being accepted and validated when we expressed a feeling. We were insulted, belittled, so on and so forth. Growing up, whenever I expressed anger, sadness, hurt, frustration, I was told, don't be negative. And it made me feel like I was feeling bad, so it meant I was doing something bad. Suppressing those negative feelings didn't make me more positive. It just took away my warning signs when something was off. So I wasted a lot of time in bad situations where I should have called BS and stood my ground. And that's the origin story of my top 10 phrase, ignoring negatives isn't being positive. And this is where I think I connect to guys better than, you know, most women. I get the feeling that whenever you're emotionally vulnerable, you just end up hearing more stuff that makes you feel worse. And it's not just from the men in your life. It's your mother. It's your partner. It, it's, it's everyone, right? You keep getting these messages, shut up and toughen up. Any expression of emotion is a risk. When we're taught to blame ourselves for the negative outcomes of taking risks, we stop taking necessary risks. And expressing feelings is a necessary risk, so we get stuck. And there are identifiable and unique ways that men tend to get stuck more than women do. And it denies these guys important relationships that lead to greater quality of life and happiness. And I know I'm talking in a gender binary, but these are social categories, not, you know what I mean. So where do we start for anyone who this is resonating with? Learn to name your feelings. Don't cover up your feelings with thoughts or opinions. Because here's the thing, an opinion can be wrong. An accusation can be wrong. Your feelings are not wrong. So start learning to identify them and name them. Start with the seven universal emotions. Those are happiness, sadness, anger, disgust, contempt, fear, and surprise. Happiness, sadness, anger, disgust, contempt, fear, and surprise. Pick one of those to describe how you're feeling. You'll notice that annoyance and irritation are not on that list. Annoyance and irritation are often cover-up terms for what you're really feeling. And these terms mix pure feeling, anger, fear, surprise, you know, distraction, with a judgment of another person's behavior. Saying you're annoying me isn't getting the core to the of the issue. It's putting responsibility for your feelings on another person, which is why it's safer than saying I'm angry or I'm sad or that hurt, right? But true strength means acknowledging and confronting your emotions. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be strong even protective, as long as you're not stifling other people. But true strength means you don't go around brooding all the time. And we are out of time. Now, next week, we'll connect with our inner child in a really mature way as we talk about the benefits of play 
for adults. Sort of continuing the theme we touched on this week. If you want to ask a question, 289-275-9600, leave me a message. Leanna at NotTherapyShow.com or at NotTherapyShow on Twitter and Instagram. Until next week, I'm Leanna Kersner. I am not a therapist and your crazy is only a problem if it's hurting you.